perpetual traveler through the Bible. Please join me for this bird's eye view of the scriptures. Stay as long as you like and let us together discover a bit more about the Bible from the beginning to the end. Situated on the eastern slope of the Olympian mountain range in Greece, at the foot of Mount Bermius, there is a town named Berea. It may not ring a bell, as it is known by a different name today, but in the Bible it is mentioned twice for the attitude of its people during the ministry of the Apostle Paul. The story of the Berean believers can be found in Acts 17 verses 10 to 13. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, and not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. The Bereans were enthusiastic Bible scholars who sought to understand God's word and his intended way of living as believers. Paul held them in high regard because they diligently searched the scriptures to confirm the teachings that he and Silas had shared with them. It is important to remember that back then the only scriptures that they had were the Old Testament, which contained the promises about the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. While the Bereans didn't question everything, they had access to the Old Testament, which allowed them to examine Paul and Silas's words and actions. Their commitment to studying and understanding the scriptures earned them the title Noble Bereans. In the spirit of these eager and diligent Bereans, we need to open our hearts and minds to explore the timeless truths found in God's word and discover the wisdom it holds for our lives today. The whole purpose of Revelation is stated in Ephesians 4, that we might grow up and mature in Christ. God is interested in having people grow in Christ. He does not want us to stay the same, but we should always be moving on. The Word of God is designed to keep us walking in the Spirit. The Old Testament prepares us for the truth, the purpose of the New Testament is to realize that truth. In the New Testament, the four Gospels and the Acts present Jesus Christ to us. These epistles that follow the New Testament Pentateuch are the explanation of Jesus Christ. Here we find the answers to all the finer points of Christian faith. In the last podcast, we looked at the first group of letters, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and Galatians. These four letters were centered around the theme Christ in you, which is the mystery of God's indwelling of man. Man was created to be the vehicle of divine life. Man is meant to be the instrument by which God expresses himself. This is the way the invisible God becomes visible to men. Only by fulfilling the purpose which we were created for will we discover the secret of successful living. Therefore, these four letters are vital and the foundation of our Christian experience. The next group of letters, from the letters to the Ephesians right through to Philemon, are centered around the theme, You in Christ. 
Jesus explains this in John 14 verses 20. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So the term Christ in you reveals the indwelling life of God, or what we call the resurrection life of believers. You in Christ speaks of the relationship of the body of Christ, the fact that we are members of his body. In other words, our life is incorporated in a life in the body of Christ. We are not only Christians individually, but corporately as well. We belong to each other as well as to Christ. By ourselves, we can never come to fulfillment and full development within our Christian lives. Sometimes, circumstances like illness or work commitments will mean that Christians will be isolated and cut off from fellowship with other Christians. There is nothing wrong with that. But if that condition continues for a long time, it will result in great weakening, because we need one another. We can never be complete in Christ without sharing ourselves with each other. The second group of epistles comprises of Paul's letters to the Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus and Philemon. Because these nine letters as a group deal with the life of Christ within the body of Christ, they can be compared in some way to the medical books that doctors use. Physiology is the science and study of the nature of the human body. Ephesians can be seen as the study of the nature of the body of Christ. Pathology is the science and study of the treatment of the diseases of the body and how to cure them. Philippians is a letter dealing with the treatment of the problems of the body of Christ. Biology is the basic study of life itself. What makes the cells of a body operate like they do? Colossians is a letter of the detailed study of the body of Christ. So the letter to the Ephesians deals with the nature of the body of Christ. The key to this book can be found in Ephesians 2 verses 19 to 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This passage summarizes the life of the body. The body of Christ is made up of a foundation and the members functioning in the unity of the Holy Spirit. The letter to the Philippians deals with the problems and diseases which threaten the body of Christ, just like the science of pathology. The first problem or disease is discouraging circumstances. We find a hint of this in Philippians 2 verses 25 to 27. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. The second problem we can see in Philippians is divisive personalities. Apparently in Philippi there were two women 
who are at odds with one another. Philippians 4 verses 2 to 3 hints at this. I entreat you, dear, and I entreat Syntyche to agree with the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have laboured side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. With people like this together in the church, you have problems. The third problem is that of deceitful teachers. Philippians 1 verses 15 to 17 tells us about men who were going about deliberately teaching untruth and doing it in the name of Christ. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. The fourth problem is that of destructive ambitions, seeking to exalt oneself in the name of Christ. Here Philippians 2 verses 3 to 4 explains this problem. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul speaks of his own problem of wanting to be something in himself as well, in Philippians 3 verses 7. The fifth problem that Christ's body can experience is distressing pressure. Philippians 4 verses 12 to 13 is the key to this letter. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The letter to the Colossians shows us the power of the body of Christ. What drives the body? What force ties all Christians together? In our local church, we are trying to do our bit to the ministry of Christ's body within the world. But often we wonder who is controlling the other parts of the body. The key of the letter to the Colossians is found in Colossians 3 verses 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Here we learn that the body of Christ is not a headless body. This is a body with a head, and that head is the life of the body. Christ is sovereign, and this is the final authority. He is keeping the body united and aligned so it works together to accomplish His end. Here is the answer to all of the problems of the control in the body of Christ. Jesus tells us what our attitude should be in Matthew 23 verses 8. He says, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. The theme or subject of the Thessalonian letters is the hope of the body of Christ. In other words, this is a look into the future for the church. The first letter deals with the certainty of Christ's second coming. The members of the small and young congregation were troubled. They were wondering if some of them were not going to miss the second coming of Christ, because some of their loved ones had died, and they didn't know what had happened to them. The purpose of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonian church is to show them that Christ is coming, and that when he comes, the entire church will be together. No one will be left out. 
this coming is the hope in every Christian's heart. It purifies them and strengthens them before Christ. The second letter is mostly about the time of Christ's coming, but it is not about the actual date, but in relationship to the events in the world. The key to these two letters is found in 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 23 to 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Now in Paul's letters to Timothy we have the ministry of the body. If we were to continue with our comparison of the letters as a medical book, these letters to Timothy could be compared to neurology, the science of nerves. In the body, you find certain people who have been specially gifted by God to act as stimulators to carry the message from the head, that is Jesus, to the body, that is us. This is explained in Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 13 where Paul says Christ has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the perfecting of us as members of the body for the work of the ministry and for edifying of the body of Christ. Timothy was one such man. Paul gives him special instructions on how to stimulate the body, how to mobilize its resources, how to instruct its leaders, how to correct and reprove and rebuke and how to get the body to work. The key verse is 1 Timothy 3 verses 15, and that says, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. The first letter to Timothy is a general teaching that covers most of the problems a young pastor would face. The second letter to Timothy focuses on apostasy and decline. What do you do in a church that is beginning to lose its life, where the church is drifting into deadly formalism or tradition? The letter to Titus deals with the same ministry, the work of the body. However, in this letter, the emphasis is not so much on the ministry of the nerves of the body as on the body itself, on what the body is supposed to do. The key to this letter is Titus 2 verses 11 to 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. These verses clearly state that firstly the ministry of the body of Christ is to train, and secondly that we are to function in this world and not to isolate ourselves. Paul's letter to Titus encourages us to allow the world to see Christ in us. When we come to the letter to Philemon, which is one of the shortest books in the Bible, it emphasizes the unity of the body. This letter was written by Paul because a slave, Onesimus, ran away from his master, Philemon. Onesimus found Paul in Rome, and through the ministry of the Apostle, he was led to Jesus Christ. Although he was a valuable man to Paul, running his errands and ministered to him in many ways, Paul sent him back to his master, because he felt he had an obligation to do so, and further because his master, Philemon, was a Christian as well. 
Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon and writes this letter for Onesimus to take to Philemon. In it, Paul urges Philemon to receive Onesimus as a brother in Christ. Paul explains this so clearly in Philemon 1 verses 15 to 16. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. More than any other letter of the New Testament, the letter to Philemon shows us that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. All distinctions between Christians are done away with in Christ. We are all brothers and sisters together. There should be no difference in our attitudes towards one another because of any superficial distinctions of background, training, skin color, education or whatever. This letter then sets before us the unity of the body of Christ. As Matthew 23 verses 8 clearly states, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. In conclusion, I want to leave you with a parting thought. Take the time to delve into the richness of these nine letters, from Ephesians through to Philemon. They hold invaluable insights on how we should conduct ourselves in the Church of the Living God, which stands as a pillar and foundation of truth. By immersing ourselves in these scriptures, we can gain a deeper understanding of God's divine wisdom and guidance for our lives. Just like the noble Bereans, let us be diligent in our study, seeking to apply these teachings with enthusiasm and love, becoming true disciples of the truth of God. As we walk this path together in the body of Christ, may we grow in faith, unity and grace, reflecting the life of Christ to a world in need. This is David Wells, your fellow traveler in Christ, and this has been the podcast of the Bible from the beginning to the end, episode 19. Thank you.